The 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich has been talked about by people in many different ways, but first and foremost, she's the author of an extraordinary text, The Revelations, which is the earliest known text authored by a woman in English. Personally, she has been a friend and companion in my Christian life for over 30 years. I'm the Reverend David Simmons, Episcopal priest and oblate in the Order of Julian of Norwich. Thank you for joining me as we read and pray through the works of this extraordinary woman of faith and explore what she has to teach us about God's love. Good morning and welcome to chapter 33 of Love Was His Meaning, Reading and Praying with Julian of Norwich. We'll get started with our little office. The link to that is found in the description on either the live stream or the podcast. Alleluia! Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia! Let us say together Psalm 84. How dear to me is your dwelling, O Lord of hosts! My soul has a desire and longing for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh rejoice in the living God. The sparrow has found her a house, and the swallow a nest where she may lay her young. By the side of your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are they who dwell in your house. They will always be praising you. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrim's way. Those who go through the desolate valley will find it a place of springs. For the early rains have covered it with pools of water. They will climb from height to height, and the God of gods will reveal himself in Zion. Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Hearken, O God of Jacob. Behold our defender, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. For one day in your courts is better than a thousand in my own room, and to stand at the threshold of the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is both sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will the Lord withhold from those who walk with integrity. O Lord of hosts, happy are they who put their trust in you. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let's say together a prayer of Julian. God of your goodness, give me yourself, for you are enough to me, and I can ask nothing that is less that could be full honor to you. And if I ask anything that is less, I shall always be in want, for only in you have I all. Amen. Well, here we are in chapter 33, and we uh, Julian is still reacting uh, to the statement of uh, God saying, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. And talking in the last chapter about the great deed that will be done at the end of time that will make all things well. And because Julian is having a hard time accepting that this is what's going to happen, looking at the world around her, you know, many of, most of us looking at the world around us ask the question of, well, how, how precisely is God going to make all this well? And Julian has a, a mind that is, is delving into that. So what we're specifically in here now uh, is her question about eternal salvation. So as the 14th century she's in teaches, uh, there, you know, the belief in purgatory, which is a place that those who are baptized go to be purged of their sins before they enter heaven, and hell, where the um, the unsaved uh, go to eternal damnation, are are part of the church's teaching. 
especially in the 14th century, a very vital and vibrant part of the church's teaching in the 14th century. So she's struggling with that reality of the church's teaching, which she does not wish to, to violate that because she believes in the teaching of church, the church. But she also has this, you know, this, this saying from, from God that all things will be made well. And it seems that an eternal hell is not compatible you know, with that from a logical standpoint. And God has basically said to her, that would be impossible for you, but it's not impossible for me. I'll keep my word in all things and you shall see all shall be made well. So she's continuing to struggle with this. Um, it, it's, and it's meant to be a struggle. This is a, this is, you know, the, one of the things that we unfortunately get away with in modern Christianity uh, is this idea that everything should be tied up in a in a in a knot that the the point of Christianity uh, and religion in general is to answer specific questions and give definitive answers, but that's really religion since the time of the Enlightenment. Uh, since we we kind of um, can't make a difference between what religion and science are supposed to say, science is supposed to come up with that kind of an answer of what's causality. Religion's not really designed to do that, and in this case, Julian ends up holding these two things in tension. And that's something we have to remember, is that as human beings, we are meant to hold some things in tension. And not everything is supposed to be tied up in a neat package for us. Um, neither does God have any any uh, need to do that. Neither does God have any obligation to do that. Uh, and this is, a, this is a, uh, something that Julian is struggling with at this point. Now, the first thing about this passage that um, I, uh, actually, I need to read the passage first, so let's do that. And still in this showing I desired, as far as I dared, that I might have had full view of hell and purgatory, but it was not my intention to undertake to challenge anything that is part of the faith. For I believe truthfully that hell and purgatory are for the same purpose that Holy Church teaches. But my intention was that for the sake of learning, I might have seen everything that is part of my faith, whereby I could live more to God's honor and to my benefit. But in spite of my desire... I learned nothing whatsoever about this, except as it was said before in the fifth showing, where I saw that the devil was reproached by God and endlessly damned, in which showing I interpreted that all creatures that are of the devil's character in this life, and who end that way, there is no more mention made of them before God and all his holy ones than of the devil, notwithstanding that they are of mankind, whether they have been baptized or not. Although the revelation of goodness was shown in which little mention of evil was made, Yet in it I was not drawn away from any point of the faith that Holy Church teaches me to believe. I saw the Passion of Christ in various showings, in the second, in the fifth, and in the eighth showings, as I said before, where I had a partial experience of the sorrow of Our Lady and of his true friends who saw him in pain. But I did not see as specifically described in detail the Jews that did him to death. Nevertheless, I knew in my faith that they were accursed and damned without end, except for those who were converted by grace." I was strengthened and taught without exception to keep myself in every detail in the faith and in all that I had understood before, hoping that I was in that faith with the mercy and the grace of God, desiring and praying in my intentions that I might continue therein until my life's end. It is God's will that we have great regard for all his deeds that he has done, for he wills thereby that we know, trust, and believe all that he shall do. And evermore, it is necessary for us to leave off involving ourselves with what the deed shall be, and desire to be like our brethren who are the saints in heaven, who wish absolutely nothing but God's will. Then shall we rejoice only in God, and be well satisfied both with his hiding and with his showing, 
For I saw truly in our Lord's meaning that the more we busy ourselves to know his secrets in this or any other thing, the farther we shall be from the knowledge of them. So the first thing uh, that I think as a modern uh, Christian pastor that I have to address is the the anti-Semitism that's here in the, the passage. I think that's extraordinarily important. Uh, this is certainly something that uh, much of Christian theology has struggled with since the Holocaust is, you know, the, the fact that the uh, some of the worst anti-Semitism in history has come through the hands um, and undergirded by some of the theology of the church. And that's something we have to be very, very active about. So when Julian talks about not seeing in detail the Jews that did him to death, nevertheless, I knew in my faith they were accursed and damned without end, except for those who were converted by grace. She is speaking as a 14th century, uh, any 14th century Christian would speak, especially in England at the time. Um, John Julian points out that uh, she actually never would have met an unconverted Jew because Jews were deported from England in 1299. So um, we're in a situation here where this, she's speaking about a, a group she knows nothing about, really. Uh, she's just following the teaching of the 14th century church. But that doesn't necessarily get it off the hook. I think we still need to label it and say uh, that's certainly not the way we would talk about this today. Um, and say it, you know, when when I read this, it does mar my 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 vision of Julian a little. Um, and I, uh, but still, it doesn't destroy the entire thing. She's simply sticking to the, the 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 teaching of the church in her time, as she has throughout her entire um, revelations here. So going back to the beginning, so she wants, as far as she dared, and that's a pretty tentative thing, to have full view of hell and purgatory, because she wants to see everything in the faith. Not so she can challenge what she's seeing, but so that she might learn everything about it, so that for her own benefit is the way that she puts it. But she's not shown anything of hell and purgatory. So, and, and that's interesting, because other visionaries in the time of which we have extant works get these visions of hell and purgatory that are graphic. I mean, this that is a common thing for visionaries at that at the time to have a vision of, is they'll have a vision of heaven, they'll have a vision of hell, they'll have a vision of purgatory. I mean, going back to Dante's um, Inferno and Purgatorio and, you know, Dante's great works, you know, these visions of, uh, th those are common for, me for me middle, uh, middle Ages mystics. So the fact that she specifically is not given it is unusual. And possibly it's because God doesn't want her to spend a lot of time on it. Um, people in the Middle Ages spent a lot of time obsessing about purgatory and hell. And that doesn't seem to be the shift of what her revelation is, which is all about love. So therefore, maybe God specifically does not give her that vision because that's not the lesson that God wants to learn. In fact, um, there's no, now here's the other thing. She believes, as she, I interpreted that all creatures are the devil's character in this life and who end this way. There's no more mention made of them before God and all his holy ones and of the devil. So this, people interpret this, sometimes overinterpret this as an idea of um, elimination. So, you know, when you're talking about what happens after life and death, it's all speculative. That's the first thing we have to say is we really, even as Christians, we don't know. We believe uh, the church teaches about judgment. But it doesn't say exactly what happens at that point. So uh, there have been some that have talked about the fact that uh, eternal hell, the existence of an eternal hell would be an affront to God. So therefore, maybe uh, the, those that would be destined to, quote, damnation would actually just cease to exist, which 
could be inferred from what she's saying here, this no more mention of being made before God and all of his holy ones, not being mentioned or possibly remembered by God could just be a, a complete destruction of existence. So there are those that have have uh, argued that this means that Julian believes in uh, in annihilation uh, after uh, for of, of the wicked after death. I don't. I think that's stretching it really far. She is very careful to articulate. I follow my church's teaching in all things. It's just that God doesn't think about those who are um, who are damned, and I I have some issues with that as well. You know, I I have to think that even if there is eternal damnation, that God still remembers those who are there, which brings up the whole idea of eternal hell again. We're not supposed to be able to solve this. It's another issue that we're not supposed to be able to solve. Um, I often tell people when I preach that I'm agnostic about the afterlife. You know, the disposition of ourselves after after we die is up to God. It's not up to us. We have no control. Other, we can we can order our lives to to live a holy life or or whatever. But really, what happens to us after God? Is, uh, after we die, is up to God. Uh, it's not something we get to cho- we get to cho- we get to choose. Um, so, and, and Julian kind of gets to this. So, uh, when we get to this question of the deed, the deed um, at the end of creation that will make everything well, it is necessary for us to leave off involving ourselves with what the deed will be. Uh, to be like those who are in heaven who wish absolutely nothing but God's will. And she sees truly that the more we busy ourselves to know his secrets in this or any other thing, the further shall we be from the knowledge of them. Okay, so she's not arguing against science, say, here. You know, gosh, she's not saying that we shouldn't try to improve our living here or how we understand the natural processes of the world. Uh, She's not even saying we shouldn't try to understand God because that's exactly what she's doing in the Revelations. She's just saying that there's a certain point beyond our knowledge, which we could speculate on, but speculation distracts us from what's going on in reality around us. So we're, we're you know, Christianity is not a religion of the dead. It's a religion of the living. It's uh, supposed to, to give us eternal life starting now, not just after we die. It's supposed to change who we are. It's supposed to change our relationship with God. And if we spend all of our time with these idle, with idle speculations about exactly what happens after we die or at the end of time, um, we can, that can take up all of our time and we're not paying attention to say the poor, uh, the, the homeless, uh, those around us who need our help, or even spending time in the contemplation of a loving God who loves us right now. Uh, that that kind of stuff, it's not bad in itself, but it's so easy to get obsessed with it because in some ways it's easier to obsess with it than the very real problems we face here on earth or the fact, uh, or reforming our hearts so we can feel the full love of God. And Julian, if we get anything from Julian, Julian wants us to live in the here and now. Julian wants us to live for God's love now and trust that the rest of it will be taken care of by God um, later on. Let's continue with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. 
He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I ask your prayers for the people of Eastern Europe, specifically those in Ukraine. I ask your prayers for those on our parish prayer list, and I bid your prayers silently or aloud. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Most holy Lord, the ground of our beseeching, who through your servant St. Julian revealed the wonder of your love, grant that as we are created in your nature and restored by your grace, our wills may be so made one with yours that we may come to see you face to face and gaze on you forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining me uh, for chapter 33 of Love Was His Meaning. Um, we will uh, come back to this next time. Uh, thank you, and uh, God bless. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning today. This podcast is generally available twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The text of Julian's Revelations used in this podcast is The Complete Julian by Father John Julian Swanson OJN and is used by permission of the Order of Julian of Norwich. The theme music is Julian of Norwich by Bombadil and is used under license.